that we've been doing on preparing for Christmas. And if you're watching uh, via television, obviously this is delayed and Christmas has passed. But uh, this still will make sense to you because this really is not so much about Christmas as it is about Joseph. He's the final person that we want to take a look at in this story. And we've been reading in the book of Luke that's been giving us uh, all these details about the Christmas story. We're at Luke, the second chapter now, verse 1. And it reads, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there... The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, uh, we want to take a look at Joseph this morning. Now, there's very little really recorded about Joseph. There's more recorded about Joseph in in Matthew, and we're going to look at some of that toward the end here. But uh, um, what we do know is if you take a look at the story of of Mary and Joseph and everything they went through, is that Joseph had to overcome some things that would would have been a big challenge for any man to overcome. So this morning I want to talk about uh, some of these things as it affects men. Now I'm going to be speaking in generalizations. In other words, when you describe all men of the world good chance you won't be completely accurate, okay? I mean, you have to use generalizations. That may mean that this doesn't apply to you as a guy or it doesn't apply to your husband and you might be the exception, all kinds of exceptions when you use a big, broad brush. But we still do these things because there are enough uh, tendencies toward different genders that it's, it's, it's good to talk about these things because guys and, and women deal with these different issues. Um, uh, actually, yesterday when I was... Uh, flipping through the internet and stuff, doing some reading and stuff. The, uh, it's, it's fascinating to read about uh, middle-aged men. They've been doing some studies on middle-aged men. I guess that puts me in that category. Yeesh. But, uh, but talking about divorce and how divorce, according to their studies, is literally killing middle-aged men. They, they don't handle it very well. And physically and emotionally, it's devastating to them. They've even found that, uh, the researchers found that for a lot of these guys, they go through this divorce in middle age, they start developing heart problems. In fact, they notice that the left ventricle starts becomes uh, dangerously uh, enlarged, bulging or whatever. And the researchers have even come up with a, a name for it. They call it the broken heart syndrome. Because it affects these guys. And physically, uh, it, it uh, has quite a devastating effect on them. Um, <laughs> then reading in the same study, they, and I thought this was kind of interesting. They said, uh, married middle-aged men who have sex at least three times a week, it cuts their, heart, their risk of heart attack or stroke in half. Check that out. Another way of saying that is middle-aged guys who don't Double the risk of heart attack or stroke. You know what that means, right? It means someone's going to die an early death. That's what it means. <laughs> kind of funny, though. It gives the guys some ammunition now. We're talking with their wives. Women are always getting on our cases for uh, not eating healthy enough. Just say, baby, you want me to be healthy? I got the prescription for it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's one amen. 
fascinating stuff. You read this stuff, it's just like, wow, it's really interesting. All right, well, let's take a look at Joseph. Uh, several things here that Joseph had to deal with and, and that really made him an outstanding man. Number one, here is a guy who willingly covered the failings of his wife. One of the things about being a real man is that a man is supposed to be a shield and a protector for his family. And not just physically. A lot of guys relate to the physical part of it. You know, somebody busts in the middle of the night. Yeah, we're men. We get the lead pipe and we smack them upside the head or something. That's one thing. But more than that, a man should be an emotional protector and spiritual protector for his family as well. Uh, The reason I point that out is because a lot of guys are very bad at that. In fact, rather than being the protector that they should be, a lot of guys are the greatest terrorists in their homes. Because they emotionally puke all over their family and their children freaking out about life. You know, I don't know, let's go, things are going terrible. They might lay us all off at the plant. We're not going to have enough money. We won't be able to retire. Things going to be horrible. I don't know how we're going to make it. Terrorizing their children. Terrorizing their wives. Man up for crying out loud. Now you might have to point out things are tough, but be a man of faith. You know, say, hey, look, things look like they're going to be getting tough, but you know what? God will take care of us. God has always provided for us. He is faithful. Everything's going to be okay. That's a man protecting his family, not just terrorizing his family. Joseph had every right in the world to expose Mary to ridicule and even potentially being stoned to death. That's what happened to girls who were found pregnant outside of uh, marriage. But instead, he did the right thing, and he loved the girl, and he protected the girl, and covered the girl. Secondly, challenge that he had to deal with is that here's a guy who accepted a child that was not his own as his own. Now, this is a challenge a lot of guys are facing today, and sadly, I would say for the most part, from what I've seen, they are doing a terrible job. These guys who get into the uh, mixed marriages and, you know, step families and stuff like that. Who favor their own children over the stepchildren. And I encourage people, you're in a situation like that, you need to love all those children equally. That's your responsibility. I know of men and some women who do the same thing, who will favor their own child and then diss the other one. Because technically they're not their own. I want you to know something. Love does not require biology. It means jack squat. You need to love those children to whom you've been given charge and watch over them and care for them. I've had people argue with me with it. Well, you know, I've got to spend more time with my child. You know, as if love is like a checking account. There's only so much. You know, I've got to save so much in the checking account because I can't just give it. No! Love is unlimited. You can love them all the same. And indeed, you need to. And if you think you can't, and you're thinking about getting into a situation like this, don't. You have a responsibility in the situation. You can love anybody. A true man, a godly man, will love all the children that he's responsible for. Whether he's physically or not. Now, I'm fortunate to have had that experience in my life. You know, I I tell people I'm Puerto Rican. They say, well, Gunger, what kind of Puerto Rican name is that? Well, I wasn't born a Gunger. I was born a Rodriguez. Sounds a little more Puerto Rican, huh? 
But uh, uh, my mother uh, had us three boys, and then our father uh, divorced my mom. Uh, they couldn't agree. Um, my dad wanted girlfriends, and my wife couldn't, and his wife couldn't agree. So that's why they couldn't agree. And uh, so it all fell apart. She wasn't going to put up with that. And then my dad, uh, who's my dad now, um, came along. Now this is in 1956 something. I mean, this is a big deal back then. Here is a man who came and loved my mother. And loved us boys. And he married her. And adopted us. And gave us his name. And all, and even though they had uh, other children. Always treated us all exactly the same. Never in my life did I ever have a sense. Not even so much as a hint. That he loved his physical, biological children. More than us. Guys can do it. And you know my dad today, um, he's uh, pushing 80. He's got uh, early stages of Alzheimer's, uh, dementia, whatever you call it. And uh, for those of you who've been through it, it's uh, it's an interesting disease. On the one hand, it's it's very uh, devastating. On the other hand, at times it's hilarious because of the way they handle stuff and don't remember stuff. You know, it's all all kind of funny. But... uh, uh, by talking about really seeing what's in my dad's heart. It's amazing because he has a difficult time remembering his own children. My poor sisters, he can't, you know, he's always coming up to him and, Hi, who are you? Dad! What's your name? What's well, a nice name? Who gave you that name? You did! You know, I mean, it's, we giggle and laugh about it. Now, interestingly enough, he's never forgotten us boys. Never. Now I'm sure at some point that's bound to happen, you know, unless God intervenes, which I certainly pray he does. But, you know, I so much as talk to my dad on the phone. He recognizes my voice. And he always calls us, my boys. How's my boy? You can do this. Joseph did it. He was a man who rose to the occasion. Number three. He was a man who allowed others to get more attention than himself. Now this is quite a challenge for a lot of men today. Particularly with the generation of boys our culture, not the Christian culture, but our secular culture is raising. These self-centered, narcissistic little snots. And you single girls, get a clue, would you? For crying out loud, that's why I'm always, we're always encouraging the girls in the church, marry a boy of faith, marry another Christian boy, someone who gets this, because at least those guys get a clue that there's more to life than me. But it's like talking to a brick wall, you know, even some of you older ladies still dating and stuff, these unsaved guys, good grief, because what will eventually happen, you'll marry into some guy who's self-centered and it'll just break your heart and you'll be miserable. I hear this over and over again it's like a broken record just rehearsed it out in the foyer before the second service this morning and it's like goodness gracious there's a reason to stay away from that thing if you will marry a boy connect with a guy of faith who understands life is about more than me you'll have less of a problem dealing with this but even among men of faith it's a challenge we tend to be selfish and men have very fragile egos i don't know if you've been aware of that ladies 
Men have very fragile egos. Women desperately want men to take the spiritual lead in church and in their homes and stuff like that. But uh, they have a difficult time setting up the environment where the guys can do that. You see, most men will likely pull away from any area where his wife displays strong competency. Now, if you're the exception, good for you. Remember, we're talking a very broad brush here. Great if this doesn't bother you. But for most guys, it does. If a woman shows real competency in a certain area, the guy usually will back off that area. I say, well, is there anything wrong with that? Not at all. I mean, there's wonderful areas. My wife is very competent in the kitchen. She's a great cook. I don't want to mess with it, you know. Um, uh, it's interesting. Usually where... A lot of times where the wife is not that great of a cook, the husband becomes the cook and he's the chef. and does Why? Because it creates this vacuum. Men love to step into the vacuum and become a leader and shine in areas where he doesn't feel like he has to compete. It's just the way it is for most guys. Now, the reason why this is important, and Pastor Lathan and I have been talking about this this last week, is the church wants to create an environment that creates men who can be spiritual leaders. But yet... We have more women's Bible studies and stuff than anything geared towards men. And not that that's wrong, but girls, you need to be careful. Women who come home with great biblical literacy and start spouting this about God and that about God, that generally will create an atmosphere that will cause their husband to step away from that area. What's the answer? Keep women ignorant? No. It's just girls, be aware. Be aware. You start spouting off, well, I know what it is about the Bible. I don't, how come you don't know that about the Bible? And you'll have a guy who will become very quiet in that area and withdrawn. You've got to allow men the opportunity to lead. And it's hard for women. I get it. I understand. I'm not slamming you. I'm just saying. If you want a guy to step up, you're going to have to leave the room for him to do that. It's, it's like, and I've shared this analogy before. You know, my wife, who is a good cook at times, you know, I'll come at some weird hour of the day working so late or something and ask her to make me something to, to eat cook some food and she'll say cook your own food come on cook it for me you can do it just cook it yourself so I'll get out there and I'll start cooking and it's not three minutes before she's over my shoulder going well don't use that pan <laughs> Well, turn that flame down we'll put that in there well don't mix it up then you do it Now, I got a great example of this this morning that I, I want. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Darren and Jennifer Kornowski to come up here. Now, uh, Darren and Jennifer are, uh, um, how long have you guys been coming to church here? A few. a few years? I didn't even notice you till last year. Terrible thing to say. But uh, I noticed them because they were at our New Year's Eve dance last year. These people can dance. I mean, it's very, very cool. It's like, ho chi mama, who are these folks? And, uh, and they've been doing our, uh, uh, they've been leading probably our largest life group this last uh, semester. It's been a ballroom dancing class. It's been more than double the size of any of the, of the life groups that we have. And uh, this morning, I wanted them to do a little ballroom dancing display. I got a reason for this. I'll explain it in just a minute. So if you would please... Thank you. 
right, now. This is a great, I've always thought dancing is the perfect analogy for how a husband and wife should work together in their relationship. Now you're up here doing all these twirls and so on. How do you know when to do what you're supposed to do? Gives me signals through his body language. Okay, so he is leading. All right. Now, if you've ever taken ballroom dancing classes, and uh, for some of you it was uh, an experience in the hell, I know it's funny. But uh, uh, it, it, you, the first thing you have to learn is you've got to let the guy lead. And uh, it's really funny because I've been to these ballroom dancing classes. I'd have been at yours, actually, except that we're always busy on Friday nights doing our seminars and stuff. But uh, um, uh, great fun. But you'll watch some of these couples, and uh, you'll, you'll see them fighting, and the wife is yelling at the husband. Yeah, don't do that. Quit doing that. You're supposed to lead. Don't do it that way. You know. Now these are the couples that don't last very long. These are the one where the guy quits. You know, and uh, then you go and ask the wife, and it's all his fault. You know why he didn't? Why? Because he was constantly being humiliated by his wife. Why? Because she can't be quiet for five minutes and let him learn how to do this thing. Now it is what it is. It's not the end of the world if you've tried ballroom dancing, you couldn't get along and stuff. But the analogy here is phenomenal because what happens is as he's leading her, and the way he's leading her is he's turning her and twisting her this way, that way, and giving her little nudges and stuff. You know, now he's not shoving her. All right, and he's not pushing her around. Not, not most days, yeah. And, and he's not being abusive. He's turning the girl. But she's got to allow him the freedom to do it. Because the one who's making the calls about when to turn and all this kind of stuff is the guy. He is doing this. Now, what's interesting about that is when he does this and she allows him to do that, you know who all the attention goes to? The girl. It does. All the attention goes to the girl. When he, she allows him to lead and stuff like that the focus the energy the beauty of the girl comes out and everybody's always watching the girls like we forget the guys even up there you know what i'm saying and and this is the way it should be okay but it can't happen if she fights it now the reason this is so important because we live in a culture uh that thinks that if a woman lets the guy lead that he's pushing her around and and shoving her around and and she's going to somehow lose in the end but the reality is you benefit the most in the deal if you guys learn how to do this now the other great analogy here is that how long you guys been dancing 14 years uh i use this analogy marriage is a dance that is perfected over time it takes time physically to learn how to dance but it also takes time to really learn how to work together as a husband and wife and uh you know, uh, if you ever go to like a wedding and they're doing slow dancing, watch the young people. They're horrible. They're just horrid. They waddle around like a bunch of penguins. Because they have no idea what to do. They're completely clueless. But watch the older couples. And some, in fact, oftentimes it is the oldest couples that are out there who are turning and moving. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all have seen this, right? Because why? They have learned how to do this over time. So... The good news is you can learn this. The bad news is it takes time. But uh, this is a positive thing. Okay, give us one more little display here. I'm going to let you go. Other dancers may be on the floor. Dear, but my eyes will see only you. Only you have that magic technique. When we sway, I go weak. I can hear the sound of Yeah, 
Very cool. By the way, these guys are phenomenal painters. If you're leading someone to paint in your home and stuff like that, I guess they do a fabulous job. That's my idea of painting, as I call people like them. So uh, you need somebody to get their, their card. Um, okay, so number four, what was the next challenge that Joseph had to deal with? He had the challenge of having to stay, be flexible and had to adjust to his role in life. No way was Joseph's dream about going through what he went through. No way did he think, I'm going to marry some girl that is having a baby that's not my baby. I'm going to have to shove off to Bethlehem. Then eventually they had to go into Egypt and all this stuff. All the life changes that he went through was not, I'm sure, anything he'd ever uh, thought about. But life doesn't always turn out the way we plan. Quite frankly, life seldom turns out the way that we plan. Does it mean you shouldn't plan? No, you should plan Does it mean we shouldn't have dreams? Yes, you should have dreams. And I'm big on encouraging people to let uh, their dreams define them, not their experience. If you let life's experience uh, define who you are, it'll beat the life out of you. Don't let life and your failures and your disappointments define who you are. Let your dreams define who you are. But having said that, even those dreams need to be flexible because oftentimes things look differently than the way that you started out. My life has turned out very differently than at times I thought it would have. I always had dreams and stuff and God has fulfilled those dreams but it just looks different. It's like when Moses, you know, came uh, and he had this dream of freeing the children of Israel. Well, as a young man, he comes in and he's trying to help the Israelites and, and he sees this Egyptian picking on one of them and he steps in and he gets in a fight with a guy, kills the guy. Thinks that he's doing everybody a favor. Well, It just got him in trouble. So much so that he had to run for his life. Spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. Raising sheep. And then all of a sudden, later in life, he runs into the burning bush. And he goes back to Egypt to set the people free. But the dream came alive again. But it looked very different. As a young man, he was in charge and everything else. As an older man... Actually, if you read the story, when, when Moses came in with his staff and stuff, he didn't even do the talking. You know, when you watch the movies, it's, he's doing all that, my people go. Actually, he wasn't saying much of anything. His brother, Aaron, did the talking because he was, he, he stuttered, he was just real insecure of himself, and he pretty much just stood there. Uh, uh, but yet, still fulfilled the dream that God had called him. It looked very different than what he thought, but he had to be flexible with it. A lot of guys, as soon as things start changing and becomes different than what they originally thought, It's hard for them to adapt and adjust. Let me challenge you guys. Be like Joseph. Be flexible. Um, And one of the things actually that, you know, usually as as the church grows and new people are coming in and stuff, it seems it's always quicker for for the girl to get involved in the church than the guy. There's lots of reasons for that that we're trying to fix. But one of the fundamental reasons is, is that church has never been part of the picture for a lot of guys. So they come to church, maybe some of you are like that this morning. You come here and you come and you're kind of here and you enjoy and stuff. But you don't really get connected because your, your picture is still your other life. It's, it's, it's making money and building a career and everything else like that. And, and uh, I need to encourage you. Let God adjust your dream. Adjust the picture for you. Uh, so that you make the kingdom of God part of your overall picture in life. It'll help you to more actively get involved in the kingdom of God uh, when you start seeing yourself as part of it. Does that make any sense? You know, but I know it's a challenge for a lot of guys. Um, 
Uh, one of the other things too that uh, became difficult for Joseph as he had to adjust his role. One of the roles that a guy likes to uh, fulfill is being the provider for his family. Well, stop and think about this. Uh, according to the Bible, the, uh, the wise men didn't show up the night that the baby was born. That's the way we show it in all the movies and we tell the story that way. It was actually, they're estimating about two years from the time of uh, the birth of, of the baby Jesus till the wise men show up. So about a year and a half, two years later, these wise guys show up. All right, the wise guys. Uh, anyway, these, these are, uh, are very wealthy men from the east. It took them two years to get there. It was a long journey for these guys. They finally get there and they bring into the lives of this young couple gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the, the hard currency of the day. And I promise you, when these guys showed up, they didn't show up with a little bowl. You know, we see that in the movie. You know, Here, here's my little gift of gold. Here's my little frankincense. That's not what you did. In those days, when you they, they were going to see a king. They knew it was a newborn king, but it was a king nonetheless. And in that culture, when you came a great distance like that, they would bring tribute to the king. They would come with great wealth to lay at the feet. When these guys walked in, they basically, can you imagine you with your little toddler and three guys show up at your doorstep and dump wealth like you've never seen at your foot and now you are set for the rest of your life that's what happened to Joseph and Mary these guys were set for life at this point I promise you these guys showed up with significant wealth they didn't have to worry about making the rent payment anymore well a lot of guys right there all of a sudden they get money and they they, they fall apart because they don't know who they are and stuff like that he had to be flexible enough to realize okay I'm not really needed to be the provider but I can still take care allocate the, the wealth and that sort of things uh, here is a man who went through so many we don't think about it but if you think about it the changes he went through during these first few years of, of the birth of Christ was would blow away most guys but here's a guy who handled it well all the way through. And the reason is, number five, he was able to do what was difficult for most men because he allowed God to speak into his life. It is what empowered him to do these things. And look real briefly at Matthew where we see more detail about Joseph. Um, he was considering uh, getting rid of Mary when he first found out she was pregnant. But uh, we read here, it says, But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. How was he able to do this? God empowered him to do it. Then we read in Matthew, the second chapter, after these guys showed up with all this money and stuff, it says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, said, get up, take this child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Well, that was never part of his plans. Who wants to go to Egypt? Again, he had to stay flexible, but was able to because he allowed God to speak into his life. So he said, stay there in Egypt until I tell you, for Herod is trying to search the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night, snuck into Egypt, crossed the border, hung out there. Jesus was an illegal alien. Put that in your thoughts. And he stayed there until the death of Herod. 
at verse 19 it says after Herod died an angel of the Lord again appeared in a dream to Joseph God was speaking to the guy when they were in Egypt and said get up take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead I'm going to invite our ushers to come up and get ready to serve communion and our worship team to come back up for our communion time uh fascinating stuff Joseph faced stuff that quite frankly would have caused most men to run for their lives and to give up and to want to have no part of it yet Joseph did the right things he covered he protected he loved he sacrificed he led he stayed flexible with his life's plans All for the benefit of his family. That is the picture of a real man. These are the kind of men we need in the kingdom of God today. Desperately need in the kingdom of God. And how was he able to do this? When so many other men would have failed? Because he allowed God to speak into his life. Where are you at this morning in your life? You as a guy or as a woman there's challenges all the way around are you allowing God to speak into your life you see it's Christianity isn't just about learning what to do and go oh man I gotta do all this stuff it, in a sense we, we like to use the, the phrase Christianity is not your responsibility what it is it's your response to his ability are you allowing God to speak into your life to empower you to do the right things you see if you just talk about the right things then you just beat up people if you feel beat up this morning, that's certainly not my intention. It's not about beating up people. It's about telling us what the right thing is. But then, the key to doing the right thing is to allow God to empower you to do the right thing. That's the miracle of Christianity. That's the miracle of a life of faith. That's why true Christianity isn't about rules and regulations. Nobody can do all the rules right. We all messed up. All, then it just becomes about religion and it becomes oppressive and it becomes a drag. No, it's about allowing God, Christ in us, to empower our lives, to do what he teaches us is the right thing to do. Where are you at in your life this morning? Have you put your faith in Christ, in his sacrifice? Are you willing to do the right things, to surrender your life? Are you willing to let God use you in any way he sees fit? Are you a willing To let God speak into your life. To empower you to do what you're convinced you cannot do. Don't be discouraged if you think I can't do it. If you think I can't do it. Welcome to the club. You're just the people we're looking for. We're looking for people who can't do it. But people who are willing to let God empower them so they can do it. That's what this is about. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer this morning. if you're here this morning, maybe you've never even taken that first basic step to, let, to allow God to speak in your life at all. Maybe you've never even put your faith in Jesus to forgive you of your sins. If you're willing to turn away from the wrong in your life and put your faith in Jesus this morning, you can experience God's grace in your life. You can begin to experience this empowering of God in your heart. If you'd like to join us in this prayer, let me encourage you to join with us. And If you'll mean this and surrender your heart and life to God, He can start this wonderful miracle in your heart this morning. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much, you went to the cross and took my punishment. 
I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you.